everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Comics Experience Make Comics podcast, a show where we talk about the nuts and the bolts of making comics. My name is Joey Grow. His name is Andy Schmidt, and today we are talking about visuals. the uh, The upcoming course that Philip C V has with uh, Comics Experience is, you know, one of those that uh, on the art side that. I always like what Comics Experience does with folks, Andy, because you encourage anybody of any stripe to take these classes and that you're going to get something out of it. And that's, you know, that's an interesting uh, feat to be able to do, uh, to to have folks start with an introductory class and then work their way up to other classes. And maybe their interest is, I just want to write or I just want to color. But being able to take other classes and get into the weeds on doing visual storytelling and getting that kind of feedback, I think is, is such a valuable tool. And just thinking about the folks I know who have gone through and taken different classes that, you know, are primarily writers, but wanted to learn more, you know, it's that, it's that toolkit uh, experience that I think a lot of people are after and just kind of learning how a thing is made. Yeah. That also comes from, I mean, absolutely what you just said about, about, you know, the benefits of, if you're a writer learning, learning like really learning how visual storytelling works and, and to understand how art functions on a page, how the panels relate to one another, all of that kind of stuff is only going to help you as a writer. Same thing is true for lettering and coloring also, but, um, but also just, you know, the thing about our introductory courses that, uh, and this probably comes from my background as a teacher before I was in comics, cause I was teaching at, at several different schools at once. And from, I was teaching, teaching some stuff in, in basically junior highs, high schools, and then two different colleges, a community college and a, and a private college when I was living in, in St. Louis in the, in the early 2000s. And so like during the course of a week, I didn't teach at all four of those on any one day, mm. but during the course of the week, I, I was you know, often in, in teaching middle schoolers, high schoolers, you know, up through college. And even within those schools, you would have a range of kids that had a range of understanding of whatever, whatever the topics might be. I was doing, um, I was doing media classes. I was doing, I was teaching an ethics class. Occasionally I was teaching English courses and, uh, art courses occasionally. And then sometimes they just had me fill in places in high school and middle school. Um, but you know, you would just, you'd walk into a room and you'd realize that, oh, there are some kids that know a ton. And then there are other kids or other students, you know, if they're older, they may not have been kids that, that don't know anything. And somehow you have to make it appeal to both, right? You have to make it, you have to make it work on all those levels. And one of the things that that taught me is, is, you know, something, you know, I love drilling down, getting into the weeds and doing some, you know, some, some high level, you know, you know, discussions and that kind of thing. But you can only do that when we're all on the same page. So we've, sure. we've designed the intro courses to give everybody all the tools, all the same language, um, and all of the fundamental, you know, basic understandings, at least within that craft. And there's no way to fully divorce, uh, you know, writing and art. So even in the writing class, you learn a little bit about art. And not a, not a ton, but you learn, I mean, you have to, right. Cause right. It, it, and the, in the end product, they're, they're not separated, right. They're, they're literally merged, <laughs> right. Sure. It's all in the art. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, but, but it really kind of came from that. And then, you know, I don't want to leave anyone, um, 
you know, in the dust. I don't want anybody coming into any of our, any of our intro courses and going like uh, on day one, I couldn't follow what was happening. Right. right. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, you, you do ask people to come in that, that know some stuff. You're like, just be patient. We'll get there. But one of the interesting things that I've found in these classes is that often you have people that, that think, you know, that, that they don't need week one, right. You know, or they don't need even week two. And then they, they, by the end of the course, they realize usually that they did because we really start, I mean, we start at start. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, I'm way beyond this. I've done this. And then what you realize is you, you maybe never really, really learned these fundamental things that everything else is built off of. So you may have been doing, you may have been doing, you know, you might have really great illustration skills, but your storytelling is, is lackluster for reasons that you didn't understand. And if it were up to you, you would have skipped that lesson. Right. Um, uh, I've, I've really never had anybody, even somebody working on a professional level, that's taken an entry class that, that came out was like, this was useless. Right. I and mean, they all, were, <laughs> they all, they all find something. And, and I think that says something nice about our, our, our classes and the way that we've constructed them. But it also says something about to the fact of you as an individual, as a human, you meet the material in the way that you're able at that time. Mm -hmm. So if you take an intro class when you're 15 or 20 or whatever, or 30, 35, 40, whatever it is, and then you wind up taking that intro class again 10 years later, you're going to get a lot of different stuff out of it because you're a different artist that second time around when sure. you take it. So, you know, we've had a, we've had a bunch of people that will take the intro classes, you know, a couple of years later and they're like, I'm so glad I took this the second time because, you know, it refreshed all of my fundamentals, but also I was able to get so much more because I've had these experiences since then. Nice. And now it all weaves together. You know, it's, it's, it's neat. I mean, we've, you know, we've been doing this a long time now, so we've, refine this. It wasn't like these were all born and instantaneously they worked this well. I mean, I think they were quality classes when we launched them all, but they've, they've just gotten, I think, better and more refined as they've gone, gone along. Nice. We're going to talking about speaking about visual storytelling specifically, you know, starting at start, we start with, you know, how, do, how does this work? Right. Cause you have to understand and a lot of a lot of artists don't really want to think of it this way. And by artists, I mean writers too. You know, I'm not separating any creative. And this applies to filmmakers. A lot of times, creative people don't want to think or consider how the end consumer of the art, right? And the end reader or the end watcher, if it's film or, or what have you, uh, is going to react. And you have to understand that that's really what you're doing. You're figuring out how to manipulate your audience. But in order to do that, you have to understand how your audience is receiving the communication. And the whole thing is communication. Mm. So, you know, you, you make film and, and videos, Joey. So I know you, you understand that like, if I want somebody to feel, uh, like, like the, this character that shows up is strong and powerful, you know, I'm going to lower my camera. So I'm looking up at them, you know, I'm going to do this kind of lighting. I'm going to do that. You know, there's all these little tricks that you can do because you know that when you do those things, the end result on the person watching it is they feel intimidated by this character or they feel sympathetic towards this character. You know, it's why we do softer lighting here and all this sort of stuff. So, but all of that stuff is geared be because you understand as a, as a filmmaker or as a comic maker or as a 
an author, you understand how this is going to be interpreted once it's all layered together, how it's going to be interpreted by your audience and how you can manipulate the way that they feel or what they understand or when they get information or what they see, but also what they don't see, you know? So, you know, we, we get into, we get into all of that and, and understanding how readers get information, how much information they typically get. And there are different types of readers, of course, but understanding all of that is key. And a lot of, a lot of artists don't really want to think about that. They just want to think about, this is what I want to draw. This is what I want to write. And it's for me, which is great. I have absolutely no problem with doing your art for you. But <laughs> if, but if you are doing your art to be read by someone else and you want them to like it, you have to understand how, how these things work, how they affect your reader. And, and so we start with, we don't necessarily start with that right out of the gate, but that's in our intro classes is, is what, why are we learning these things? When do we apply these things? You may learn, you may have learned three point perspective and you're awesome at it, but if you can't use it to, um, uh, you know, if you can't use it to, you know, manipulate your audience, then, then there's some sort of disconnect along the way. Right. But, you know, and that, and with comics specifically, that's how do panels work? What's, what's the use of the gutter space? How does that work? Why do you bleed a panel off the page? When do you want to do that? What's the purpose of that? You know, it's, it's all about decision-making everything from big decisions down to small decisions, but every decision that you make on that page, you should have a reason for making that decision. And that reason I'd say nine times out of 10, it shouldn't be, it looks cooler. That, that can be a factor, <laughs> but it shouldn't just be, it looks cooler or that's the way I felt like drawing it. Like have a reason, like what, what's your, what's your thinking mind? That's what's the effect you're going for. Um, and that's what we get into into that story. And then in the visual storytelling classes where we start and then it gets into the, the actual, you know, drawing and stuff. But we, we designed that class um, so that you don't, you don't have to be a gifted artist. You can draw stick figures in that class throughout the entire course because the focus is on storytelling. It's on what are you communicating? And mm -hmm. you can communicate an awful lot uh, with stick figures. Um, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, you really can. And, you know, my daughter is six and she has some cardboard that was packing material. And the way that it's shaped is it looks kind of like binoculars, like real long binoculars. But she pretends that it's her video camera. And she mm -hmm. just has it in the car and she says, oh, I'm going to film the bus, you know, bus drives by or I'm going to film those birds. And it's it's funny to abstractly hear her talk about what she's trying to make in her, you know, quote, movie. She wants to make a movie and it's all pretend because she's obviously not running a camera. Uh, to run it, but also it made me think about her basic drawings when she will do the stick figures, when it is the, oh, I'm writing, you know, the next Harry Potter story, you know, this is book eight or nine or whatever she's making up at the time. And it, it's interesting to see how much kids have a natural understanding of storytelling just from reading books, from watching movies, TV, whatever. And, you know, it, it's one of those funny kind of at the end of the day things. Uh, there's so many basics that I know I personally can forget 
Um, not like, uh, hey, I threw out the book because I've been doing this for 20 years, but stuff that you go back to and go, oh, well, why would I do it that way? <laughs> and you have a little bit of time and perspective, which is not always something you can have in comics. And building those muscles, I'm sure, especially for artists that are doing art every day, you know, that that journey, that arc has to be interesting, too. And I, I'm guessing a lot of the folks that are coming to you and, and working with folks like Philip get really great feedback because that's one of the valuable things I think you can get at, at most levels. And one of the things that I know I seek out from people is feedback that is that constructive criticism. And that can also include folks like you that are more on the writing and editing side. But, you know, on the editing side, I'm, I'm sure you have a number of stories related to art uh, as far as giving feedback and stuff that, you know, just maybe the storytelling isn't clear or maybe the artist added new pages and, or added new panels to a page and now you have to update the the lettering script or whatever, you know, any any number of things you can get through. So it, it's it's funny, this hodgepodge of stuff. As far as the feedback goes, you know, is that something that you had a learning curve on on how to articulate on the uh, editing side, uh, when when you were running uh, different books at Marvel, uh, yeah, and the feedback that we do is different than I would give to to working professionals. You know, like like at Marvel, once you're once sure. you're at that level, you know, presumably you've got quite a bit of experience. Sure. So you know, it, it is a little bit different when you're giving feedback that's designed for teaching. Um, usually, I wasn't really trying to teach a whole lot when I was at Marvel because there was stuff that people knew and it was more like you know like it was more feedback of I think this could be stronger if mm. we did this or we did that you know um, or what do you think about going in this direction you know that it was sort of more that kind of thing at Marvel and at IDW um, <clears throat> with the teaching it's it's that plus uh, plus kind of two other things. One is plus encouragement. Not that I was ever like, I didn't, never wanted to be like mean to people when right. I was a marble, but, but you know, sometimes when you're starting out, you know, your confidence might be, might be low. So we want to make sure that we're always, um, you know, encouraging and, and upbeat and that you're having, that, that even if you're getting feedback, um, that says, Hey, this needs work. Um, that it's, it's in a positive, encouraging manner. I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and, you know, I try to, I try to apply that frankly to pretty much everything I do, um, in comics. And then, the, but the other factor is that it's, Hey, Hey, this may not work. What do you think about this other thing? Or mm-hmm. do you think it might be stronger if, but then going, but then I have to peel that back further and go, here's, here's what's being communicated to me right now. Right. Like if I break down what you did do, whether it's art or writing or whatever, this is what's coming through. Is that what you intend? (laughs) If it is, then you nailed it. If it isn't, then we need to look at at this execution and make sure that you're hitting your target. So, um, you know, if you want me to feel sympathy for a puppy on the page and I don't, I feel like that puppy is going to bite me. Then something broke, something broke down. Right. Right. Um, so then you go back and you go, well, what if we, you know, instead of angling this up, looking at, at, at the dog with the, with its mouth open and the fangs out, uh, what if we angled this, we're looking down. So he looks smaller and he's, then he's cocked his head to the side and, you know, popping up an eyebrow and looks real cute. You know, like, you know, <laughs> it's all of those sorts of things of like, you know, again, it's, it's all those little decisions that you make about 
what is this supposed to add up to? And um, right, right, right. So it's so so the feedback is, but the feedback is one of the biggest things that we that our 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 students you know tend to tend to talk about. Like when the when the course is over, you know, it's like, hey, there's a ton of great information in these. We do pack info in there. Like we fill fill our time with a lot, and we don't. I mean, we give examples, like because you should, but we don't give a ton of examples and we don't sit there and kind of have you do something over and over again. We, we get in there, we do it, you know, it's up to you to download it, <laughs> right? uh, to get that all into your brain. Um, but you know, then throughout the week, you know, we're, we're online we're and we're critiquing your work. So you're sort of applying what we discuss in a class. Usually you're applying that sort of, you know, over the next week into your work and then you get all the feedback in your work and then art classes. I love the way, Philip does feedback in the art because he pulls the art that you do, you know, you submit it through the, through the forums. Right. And then he can pull it up and, you know, he can talk about it with the whole classes there to see it. Yeah. And again, it's always done in a positive, sure. upbeat way. So, so you, so, you know, if you're drawing stick figures, it's fine. Right. Like it's, it, it, you know, in the visual storytelling class in the class about storytelling, it's never really about like, Oh, you're, your anatomy is off, right? That's not the feedback you're getting. It's all focused on the storytelling. <laughs> right. In your, if you're in the anatomy class, which is a totally different class, then yes, you get anatomy feedback. But again, it's all in that positive, um, you know, it's all in that positive manner. And also the whole thing is subjective. Um, there are some pretty fundamental points, right? But there is a level of subjectivity to it. So we we don't create classes that are designed to you know, if I'm teaching a writing class or Paul's teaching a writing class, it's designed to get, create, make you write like I do, right? Or like Paul does. You, you don't come out of Philip's class going, Philip taught me how to draw like Philip. Right. So we're teaching you the things that you can build off of for clear communication, understanding how things work, whether that's anatomy, understanding how muscles connect to bone and, and interact with each other or shading or whatever. And then once you have the, that foundation, a foundation isn't a house, right? Like you, you've got that foundation. You can build something really solid on, on this strong foundation. But what you build, that's your style of house, mm -hmm. right? That you want to build, right? You want to build a skyscraper? Cool. Be a technical artist. You want to build something crazy and zany? Great. Build something all out of clay. Uh, build your house out of clay where it's, there's no sharp, there's no right angles, whatever, right. but it all will work because it's built on this foundation of, of understanding how all these things interact from beginning to end, how they interact with each other, how they interact with your readers, how they interact with you as the artist. And then you can build, you know, stylistically, however you want, but you can build something strong that lasts. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And, you know, it is like any skill, you know, er, the early days, the learning can feel so exponential. And finding folks that can give you feedback that is constructive is, is key, I think, at, at any stage, you know, having people that you trust to give you a, hey, this just doesn't make sense, or, you know, to be able to, to have all those those muscles built to give you that feedback that also takes into account what you're trying to do. Like you said, your style, your direction, but trying to think through the bigger picture stuff. And, you know, I, 5 a.m. this morning, I was reading a script I wrote 10 years ago and checking out um, the way that the, the lines were dialogued at the time, the way the lines were lettered, because I'm, 
getting something together for a project. And it was really funny to have a decade of distance to go back and, and look and think, you know, and, and see the changes that were made. And, you know, frankly, it was uh, editing in the lettering is what I did uh, during my lettering pass that was not very good because I'm not a great letterer and I certainly wasn't 10 years ago. But, you know, it was putting together a comic and trying to save money uh, and do the lettering. And it it really was one of those like, this is great. If only everything you could have, <laughs> you could afford to have some time and distance to go back through and tweak. And, you know, the funny thing, and obviously this is maybe apples to oranges, but I, I, I was overdoing it. Like I realized just how much I was overwriting in dialogue. And, you know, that is one of those fundamental things that until I got out there and did it a bunch, I didn't really realize like, you know, you're using way too many words. You know, the choices that you had to go with because, you know, otherwise you just, you know, you're making a page that's a big letter balloon, a big word balloon. It was so uh, necessary, you know, to get me to that next step. But I know I couldn't have gotten there without feedback and without getting in there and, and doing it myself. And I think a lot of times getting involved in any kind of, you know, artistic pursuit and, and obviously people don't want to lose their, you know, their savings making comics. You want to make money from it. So it's it's also commerce, uh, but, you know, it, it enhances everything to to get in there and do it and to start. And I find that, you know, as a stick figure drawer myself, who's about on par with my six year old daughter, I I still sketch out on a on a thumbnail what I think the page is going to be structured like. I never send it to an artist, but I need to try to understand from my perspective of telling the story all right, how can I set them up for the most success that I can or give them room and not, you know, I don't want to over direct it or over anything it, but I want to at least know like panel count and how does stuff move? And is this a good way to have a page turn? You know, what, what am I doing? So there's so much, you know, of just getting in there. And like you, you said at the outset, just experiencing those other jobs and kind of getting it <laughs> for your writing and thinking about working with an artist uh, and maybe it's just different projects and, you know, depending on how busy you are, are you coming at the early stages of working with an artist with any kind of template that you go back to as far as, Hey, let's talk about the book. Let's think about, you know, what you want to draw, how we can approach it. What are, what are conversations that you have if you are collaborating with somebody that's on the art side that could be taking this class? Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm actually going through through this right now. So I have this project, right? That's about Amelia Earhart, and um, I have my idea of what I want it to be. I know what I want it to be about, what the themes are, you yeah. know, more or less how it's structured, right? So like, I'm going in with a pretty well formed story, but I haven't written a fully executed script when I when I started talking with the artist that I thought would be would be really good. For it and she was she was interested in the idea and so we got on the phone we talked about you know the business side of things like the deal points but then we also talked about um artistically how she wanted to approach it so we would talk about the story and then wind up talking about um you know does she want to have you know how does she feel about multi-panel page like high panel count pages not that i would do every page that way but you know how does she feel about doing that from time to time or 
you know, does she particularly like doing double page spreads that have multiple panels on them or, or what have you? I didn't want to add a bunch of pages to the thing because that gets more expensive, both in terms of printing and paying for right. art. So we, so we had a page count. But I was like, within that page count, I can sort of emphasize and de-emphasize or I can adjust or whatnot based on what you wanted to do, what you want to do. And so as we talked about the story, we kind of talked about sort of there being sort of, you know, keyframes. Um, so we, we kind of came up with this idea of, of there being about four or five, maybe six of these, you know, kind of the most important images, right? And so those are going to get, you know, we're, we're going to make those bigger. We're going to do that sort of thing. But, you know, did it, that conversation didn't change the story, um, from the story that I had set out to tell but it's certainly going to change the execution of that yeah. story it's going to change the details and the nuances of it um and we used to kind of have we sort of jokingly as editors i used to say like oh yeah i work with all these artists that you know will change the way they approach their scripts depending on who the artist is um <laughs> and then the, the joke was that like no one actually changed the way that they wrote their scripts right like they wrote the script they wanted to write um you know, so that's something I've been very mindful of. If it, it, you know, I don't always, you know, have the conversation like that. And, you know, if it's work for hire, um, I may not even know who the artist is when I'm writing it. Um, yeah. Like on, like on Crime Syndicate, I didn't know that Brian Hitch was going to be the artist on the backups until like, <laughs> the first three of them were done. Interesting. And then, <laughs> and then Brian Hitch gets hired, and I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And I go back and I read them, and I had not written them with that sort of you know, very representational, you know, almost photorealistic style in my brain. So then I went back and I, you know, I, and I reread them and I started to make adjustments, like just because I thought stylistically, you know, Brian could do something better with, yeah. you know, if I suggested this image over that, but again, they didn't, didn't drastically change the, you know, the style a whole lot. So it was, um, you know, there's stuff like that where you're just like, sometimes you don't know who your collaborators are, but yeah, if I know who they're going to be up front, especially if it's creator owned and, and you know, I mean, that's like a little marriage, like a mini marriage because once you guys own that together, then you, yeah, if the thing, if that thing has any life to it, you're bound to each other to a certain extent. Um, you know, if there's ever like a, you know, a movie deal or somebody wants to do a TV show based on this, you know, this one shot that we're doing, then you know, she and I, Meredith and I are going to have to agree on, on terms and all that stuff because she's an owner of it too. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, all that, I think I definitely like having conversations with artists before the work really begins. Um, I think it'll make my script better. I think it'll make their art better. I think it makes the book better. I think it makes the relationship better. Um, you know, one time I remember having a conversation with an artist and we kind of, I think we both had thought that we had agreed on sort of, you know, an approach forward on this. And then I turned in the script and they were like, that. this is not what we agreed on. Um, and that, but that's only happened once. And even with that one, we sussed it out and I made some changes and, and we got on the same page going, going forward. Nice. Right. Um, but, uh, but generally speaking, yeah, the more, the more communication you can have, at the outset, it just sets just sets all parties up for for success. I think. Absolutely. Well, folks can check out the 
class and what's going to be at the timeline over on comicsexperience.com if you are interested in taking that with Philip and see what's uh, see what's going on. And you can always sign up for the CE newsletter to stay ahead of of any kind of announcements and, and course information or follow Comics Experience on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram to, to be in the know. Um, but if you are interested in getting in into the class that Andy's been talking about and, and getting that level of feedback, uh, that is a great way to go. Anything on the horizon that you can talk about, Andy? I know there's comics coming out through CEX Publishing and obviously you're working on some comic stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, you, there's still time for you to ask your retailer to order past the last mountain number one from Comic Experience Publishing from CEX. Um, it is a uh, four-issue miniseries. Each issue is double-sized, perfect balance. It's an old-school prestige format, really nice, really nice books. Um, it is a wonderful, wonderful story written by Paul Aller, illustrated by uh, Louis Joyce and Gannon Beck. And it's, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read. So you can go tell them and they can still place their order for you. So you make sure you don't miss it. Um, so there's that that's coming out soon. And, and I mean, always, you know, look in your catalog, make sure you're looking, if you're somebody that gets the previews catalog or what have you, make sure you're looking in there for, um, for CEX for right now, diamond lists us as comics experience publishing. That's supposed to be changing. It's supposed to be just CEX cause that's really what the company is. But, um, but make sure you always look there cause we've got, we pretty much every month have a new number one. Um, we're sort of spotlighting one new series each month and they're all creator owned and they're all by really great people that have, I guarantee you, they have put the work in. They are, they are ready for this. Um, some of the, many of them have, have a lot of comics behind them already, but even, even the ones that you have not seen their name before, they're, they're good. They are really good. Excellent. Well, there's, there's always something to check out, and you can go over to cexpublishing.com and, and see what uh, is is coming, what's there, what's out. There's a, a number of options if you're looking for CEX titles. And, yeah, we'll end it there and say happy Turkey Day if you're in the United States. Happy Thursday if you're elsewhere. And we will talk to you again soon on the Make Comics podcast. Until then, keep making comics. <laughs>